1 Thessalonians chapter 2. 1 Thessalonians chapter number 2 in your Bibles. And, uh, and I want to carry on just a little bit further with what we started last Wednesday night as we're talking about understanding our statement of faith, understanding our statement of faith. And we began last week by talking about the Word of God, and we're going we're gonna to carry on a little bit with that tonight, and then we'll see what happens uh, next week if the Lord wants us to uh, continue on with this or as we'll go to the next phase in our, um, in our statement of faith. But we're just going to see what the Lord wants. But uh, I believe this is going to be helpful to you tonight. And so I hope you'll hang in there with us this evening. First Thessalonians chapter 2, when you find your places, if you're able to stand tonight, let's all stand out of respect for the reading of God's Word. We're going to read down through verse number 13. We'll start in verse 10 and read down through verse number 13. Paul said to the church of Thessalonica, ye are witnesses, and God also, how holily and justly and unblameably we behaved ourselves among you that believe. As you know how we uh, exhorted and comforted and charged every one of you as a father doth his children, that ye would walk worthy of God who hath called you unto his kingdom and glory. For this cause also thank we God without ceasing because when ye received the word of God which ye heard of us, ye received it not as the word of men, but, it, but, it as, but as it is in truth the word of God which effectually worketh also in you that believe. And you may be seated tonight. We'll stop there, but we're going to look at many, many other scriptures tonight. But we'll stop there tonight. We're going to go to the Lord in word of prayer. And, you know, it's exciting to see what the Lord is doing, how the Lord is blessing and the church is growing. And we're seeing so many uh, new families and new people come in. And that's exciting and wonderful. And, um, you know, Brother Horn paid uh, tribute to this on Sunday morning in the Sunday school class, but, you know, so many of these new folks are coming at our, our different stages of growth. And one of the things that we're noticing is that uh, some of the folks, at least, some of the folks that are coming in, some of the folks that we're reaching are people that church has never been a part of their background. It's, 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 not, it's not their foundation. Brother Walter mentioned just now, is raised in church. And we, we are hearing that some, but, but also we're, we're hearing this. Church has never been a part of their life. And some of the things that you and I just sort of take for granted that everybody ought to know, they don't know. And so because of that, sometime back, the Spirit of God began to deal with my heart and I really got a burden. And, I, and, and, and some of it I'm not even at liberty to go into, but just really got a burden that we need to sort of teach through our statement of faith and, and make sure that everybody sort of knows what we believe at Calvary Baptist Church. And so I guess some tonight, if we get all the way through this, some would deem this as a somewhat controversial uh, message that we're, gonna, uh, that we're going to teach tonight. I don't think it's controversial. It doesn't have to be controversial if you believe the Bible. That's the thing. Um, if you base what you believe on a, and here's the thing, if you base what you believe on a preacher, tonight's gonna be very controversial. Or if you base what you believe on a book, then tonight's going to be very controversial. If you base what you believe on this book, this message won't be any, it won't be controversial at all. And, uh, and so we're just going to, we're going to pray. We're going to jump right into it tonight. And uh, we, we don't, uh, w w our goal tonight is not to be controversial. That's never our goal. You know, if, if all we're doing is being controversial, what are we accomplishing? 
Uh, our goal is to teach you what the Bible teaches and to teach you why we believe what we believe, uh, that we don't just believe something, but this is the reason that we believe what we believe. And I think that, I think that's the missing, that's the missing element. And I'm going to pray. It's not, not preaching time yet, but that's the missing element. And, and too many people are, are coming into our churches. I'll put it like that coming into our churches and I've even had some of our, our newer folk have, have already come to me and they say, preacher, do you believe this? And I say, I do believe this. But I also take the time to show them why I believe it from the word of God. This is why I believe and this is why I'm preaching what I'm preaching. And occasionally we have some people say, well, you know what? I don't agree with that. And my answer to that, them is, show me. Show me. Well, I can't show it to you. Then why do you believe it? Well, I said, I'm going to answer that question too. I'm going to answer that question too in just a moment. Why people believe it, but they can't show it to you. And so let's, let's pray and we'll get into it tonight. Father, we love you. Thank you so much for the privilege to be at Calvary Baptist Church tonight. Thank you for the good music and the singing and the, the uh, special. And, and uh, God, we just appreciate the fellowship and, Lord, the uh, wonderful opportunity to be here tonight. And, and uh, Lord, I, I pray, Father, that you would knit our hearts together now. And, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would do what only you can tonight. And Heavenly Father, if all we do tonight is hear the voice of a man we're going to go here the same way we came. But, but Lord, if we might hear the voice of God tonight, if we might hear the teaching of the Holy Spirit tonight, uh, Father, we'll leave this place differently than when we entered. And so, Lord, help us to know what we believe and why we believe it. And so, Lord, help us tonight, please. We pray for the power of the Holy Spirit. Father, we love you. And, uh, Lord, I know what you've given me tonight, and I, and I pray that you'd help me to be able to recall it as you've given it to me. And I pray, God, I teach it like you want it taught, and I pray that it would make sense, and I pray we'll go home glad that we came to the house of the Lord tonight. We love you, and we praise you. In Jesus' name we pray, and for his sake, amen. I can say this. I, I believe I can say this fairly safely tonight, that there's at least a few here tonight. You're going to hear a few things tonight you've never heard. You've never heard this taught. Uh, you're going to hear it taught for the very, very first time tonight. Now, others of you, this is old hat to you, and, and you've heard some of these things. But uh, even you uh, older Christians, uh, I started to say old Christians, but uh, you older Christians, you more mature Christians, how many know it's good for us to hear it again? Amen. Uh, and so I want to ask a question tonight. Which came first, the chicken or the egg? The chicken did. That's exactly right. Brother Josh, the chicken came first. Well, I want to ask you another question. Which came first, the Baptist church or Bible doctrine? Bible doctrine came first. And it's, it is very, very important that we understand that. Doctrine was here first. And by following doctrine, we became known as Baptist. Now, I don't know if you know this or not, but actually, uh, you're, if you're a member of the Calvary Baptist Church, you are technically, you are not a member or a part of a denomination. You say, oh no, what are you talking about, pastor? No, we're the, we're the Baptist denomination. Well, actually, in all reality, Baptist is not a denomination. Now, 
Some of the offshoots, maybe so. If you were to say, well, I'm Southern Baptist, Northern Baptist, American Baptist, whatever the case may be, then, you know, maybe that could classify uh, as, uh, as a Baptist. But, uh, but, but technically, you can't go back tonight and point to any man or person that founded the Baptist church. We say Pastor Roger Williams. Roger Williams was the first Baptist preacher in America, but Roger Williams did not start the Baptist movement. Uh, pretty much every movement, every religious movement or denomination, you can go back to a point where they had a founder that started that movement. For instance, if you were a Methodist tonight or a, a part of the Wesleyan movement, uh, you can uh, uh, pinpoint that to John Wesley. If you're a part of the Presbyterian movement, you could point that back to John Calvin. If you are a part of the Lutheran church tonight, you could go back to Martin Luther. If you are a part of the Kingdom Hall or the what's known as the Jehovah's Witnesses, you can take that back to a man by the name of Charles Taze Russell <clears throat> that started that movement. If you were here tonight and you say, well, Pastor, I, uh, I'm, I'm a Mormon. I hope you, you don't say that. But if you were, if you were to say that, uh, you could definitely go back to someone who started that movement by the name of Joseph Smith. Uh, if you're here this evening and say, well, I'm a part of the Seventh-day Adventist, you can point that back to a uh, Lady by or a woman by the name of, of Ellen White. Uh, we can, as Baptists, Bible-believing Baptists, we can point back to no certain person, no certain leader, no certain founder who labeled us as Baptists. You say, well, then where in the world did we get our name? Are you ready for this? Uh, the world gave us our label. The world gave us our label. Where does the word Baptist come from? The world gave us our label. Doctrine was here first, and by following doctrine, we became known as Baptist. So we're not Baptist by accident. We're Baptist on purpose tonight. So you say, Pastor, explain yourself. What, what, are, you, what are you talking about? Well, most religions, if you were to go back, even, uh, even pre-Reformation, uh, most religions were teaching or practicing the sacrament, sacrament of baptism, but erroneously, a false doctrine began to seep in called infant baptism. And most churches, most religions were practicing infant baptism. But wait a minute now, our forefathers, we weren't called Baptists yet, but our forefathers were preaching salvation by grace through faith. By the way, they always have. That's what our forefathers have always preached, salvation by grace through faith. They were also teaching this, that baptism was an ordinance of the church. And then it was also that first step of obedience. And so teaching that, uh, that baptism always follows genuine salvation. That's what our, our forefathers taught, that you get saved by grace through faith, and then you identify with the body by being baptized, uh, and you do that following genuine salvation. Now, let me tell you what happened. Those converts, many of those converts that had been baptized as babies or baptized early in their life uh, were exposed to a, a gospel-preaching preacher or, uh, or an evangelistic church that was preaching the truth, preaching salvation by grace through faith, uh, and, uh, and, and some of those folks were hearing that for the first time and they were coming to Jesus and they got saved. And then they also had some teachers that said, hey, listen, you have been genuinely born again, right? That's right. Now you need to be 
be baptized. Well, preacher, I was baptized many years ago. Wait a minute now. Biblical baptism is you get saved and then you follow the Lord in baptism. So our forefathers were, were teaching that, uh, that you get saved, and then after you get saved, you identify with God's church, you identify with Christ, and you, you are baptized. And so some of these folks that have been saved out of a, um, you know, out of a, 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 some kind of a false religion uh, are getting baptized again. Uh, really, the first time they just got wet, and so they're, they're being scripturally baptized. And so other organizations begin to call us Anabaptists or rebaptizers. Don't go down there to those rebaptizers. They believe you have to get baptized again. And that is true. If you got wet as a baby or a priest put a little water on your head, Somebody and 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 I've had, we've had that through the years. We've had people that have come into the church and and uh, they were christened as a as, as a baby and and they say, well, preacher, you know what happened when I was christened? What happened? Well, I mean, I don't mean this offensively in, in, in any way at all, but basically, what happened was your forehead got wet. That's what happened. And, uh, and so you understand what, where we're going here? So our forefathers were preaching salvation by grace through faith. And when you come to the Lord, you need to follow in baptism. And just like has happened here many times, people said, well, preacher, I was baptized a long time ago when I was a baby or when I was a, a child. And I have to say to them, listen, now that you've been genuinely born again, it's important that you do it the Bible way and that you get baptized. And, uh, and so those folks, sure enough, those folks get baptized again. Now, again, the world gave us our name. Anabaptists, rebaptizers. And eventually, we became known as Baptists. And so, again, I want to point out that the Baptist church did not develop Bible doctrine, but Bible doctrine created the Baptist church. Interesting story. Our son-in-law, Timothy, uh, his dad, Roscoe Morgan, uh, Roscoe grew up in a a Lutheran, Lutheran church, didn't know what Baptist really was, grew up in a Lutheran church, and, uh, and so they made him a Sunday school teacher, and so he started teaching Sunday school in the Lutheran church, and then Roscoe Morgan made uh, what some would consider a mistake. Rather than study the quarterly, the Lutheran quarterly, he started studying the Word of God. And so then he said, you know, I think I'm gonna move away from the Lutheran Quarterly, uh, the little book they give everybody to teach. And he said, I'm just gonna start teaching some basic Bible doctrines uh, in the uh, Sunday school class. And so he just left his quarterly at home and started bringing his Bible to church. And he just started teaching just basic Bible doctrines at the Lutheran church, the Lutheran church. And the, uh, the Lutheran Sunday school superintendent came to Roscoe Morgan and said, hold on, you can't teach that here. That's Baptist doctrine. No, it's not Baptist doctrine. It's Bible doctrine. That's what I'm, that's what I'm trying to say. Uh, and so let's talk a little bit tonight about this thing of biblical authority, biblical authority. What are the different, uh, what are the different attitudes and different beliefs about the word of God? I want to put a few of these on your screen tonight. Number one, the different attitudes about the, about the Bible. Number one is something called rationalism, rationalism. Now, what is rationalism? Well, and by the way, that's pretty much where we're living right now. 
That's pretty much where all the college campuses are, all the secular, secular uh, universities are, uh, rationalism. You gotta rationalize. And rationalism denies that there's any form of supernatural revelation. Then basically what rationalism says is that this book right here is just that. It's just a book. That it is written by men, that a bunch of men just got together one day and they said, hey, let's just write a Bible. And that's how the Bible came into being. And so they rationalize the Bible. So that means if you rationalize the Bible, that means you can sort of pick and choose what you like, which is what our politicians love to do. They love to quote it in a speech if it helps them get another vote. But they want, they want to make sure they leave out the parts that they don't like. And so rationalism. And then there's something called Romanism. Romanism says that, that, that the Bible is the product of the church. Therefore, the Bible is not the sole or final authority, but rather, rather the church is the final authority. Now, the next one, and we're going to get into that a little bit more here in just a little bit, but uh, the next one is what I was talking about just a moment ago, and it's called mysticism. Mysticism has to do with experience. In other words, I feel it. And in my opinion, it has to be this way. Uh, you know, I had this amazing experience, and because I had this amazing experience, therefore it's got to be right. Mysticism. And so somebody comes to you and somebody says, I believe, this is what I believe. For instance, for instance, here just recently, I was teaching on eternal security of the believer. The reason I was teaching on that is because it's a Bible doctrine. And so it never fails hardly when I start teaching on that. People begin to take issue with, with me on that. And, uh, and some folks came and, uh, and they said, you know, preacher, I don't believe that. I, I, don't, I don't believe that. I, I believe this. And I said to them, and I tried to say it kindly, but I said to them, why do you believe that? Chapter verse. Give me some Bible on it. Not one. I've never had one. To this day, I've never had one who can give me verses and passages and, and references on that. Now, you know why? Because we've got to that place in America where we, we feel like, you know what, if I feel it, if I feel it's this way, it's that way. Listen, church, just because you feel it don't mean it's right. And it doesn't mean it's true. And so there's mysticism. Then there's something called neo-orthodoxy. You gotta love this one. And here again, this is where we are today. Neo-orthodoxy says that the Bible is, I love it, the Bible is a fallible witness to the revelation of God. Now, don't forget what we taught last week, that the Bible is infallible. But neo-orthodoxy says the Bible is, is a fallible witness to the revelation of God. In other words, in other words, you know what? It's got some good stuff in there. It's not all good. It's not all true. It's, it's got some accurate stuff in there. It's not all accurate. There might be somebody here tonight. And, uh, and you take that standpoint. I hope you don't. Uh, and, but that's, that's where we are today. You know what? That we sort of pick and choose. And, and some of it we like and some of it we don't like. And uh, it's got error and you can't really take the Bible literally is what they say. Then there's something called cults. What, what stands out about the cults? Well, the cults say this, that the Bible and the writings are good, 
but the Bible and the writings, uh, the writings of the particular cult leader are equally authoritative. And so you'll watch these wonderful commercials, and they really are, man. They are just great commercials, and it's like showing family time, and, and, all, and, you're, and you're watching it not knowing what it is, and you're thinking, wow, that is a great commercial. And then it, at the very end, it says, from the church of Jesus Christ, the Latter-day Saints. And then they say something like this, if you'll call this number, we'll send you a King James Bible. And they will. But when you call that number to get that King James Bible, you know what they'll tell you? You're also going to need the Book of Mormon. Because really, that book right there is really no good without the writings of Joseph Smith. I mean, you might as well just sort of cast that to the side because the writings of Joseph Smith are equally authoritative as the Word of God is. Now, what is that? That's a cult, that's not a good organization. Whether well, sweet and all that, no, that's a cult. That's a cult. I've written uh, several books. If I ever stand up here and tell you that my books are as inspired as the Word of God, you better run me out of here on a rail. Amen. That's right. And so there's only one book that's authoritative uh, and inspired, and that's the Word of God. By the way, that leads us to the next point here, and that's orthodoxy. And that's where you and I are, orthodoxy. And orthodoxy says this, the Bible alone is the ground of authority. The Bible alone is the ground of authority. By the way, I love that. Don't you love that? And so we are, we are orthodox in our beliefs at Calvary Baptist Church. What does that mean, preacher? That means that, that the Word of God stands on its own. It is the pillar and ground of the truth. Uh, it's good if you have some other books, but you don't have to have other books. Because that book right there is sufficient. It is sufficient. And I, I, and I wrote this down in my outline here. There is so much safety in biblical authority. It is safe. It's safe. What do you mean, preacher? Listen to this. It is not up to the pastor to set up doctrine for the local church. So, uh, so for some reason, God has uh, uh, privileged me to be the pastor of this church, the, the under-shepherd. I'm not the chief shepherd. I'm just the under-shepherd. But, uh, but even as the under-shepherd of Calvary Baptist Church, it is, not, it, it is not in my responsibility to set up doctrine for this church. You know why? It's already been established. By the way, I hope this don't happen, but you may hear tomorrow that, brother, uh, that, that pastor went to heaven. Pastor had a heart attack last night. God took him to heaven. And, uh, uh, and, and here's the thing. When you vote the next pastor in, you better make sure that he takes a very firm stand on the word of God, that he's not gonna come in here and try to set up his own teachings and his own doctrine. No, listen, why? Because we believe the Bible is the sole authority. By the way, that takes the power out of the deacon board. It takes the power out of the denomination. So somebody says, Pastor, who do, we, you know, who do we answer to? Who do you send your sermon outlines to to approve them before you preach them? I send them to Jesus. You know, actually, Jesus sends them to me. I, that's really the right way to say that. And uh, now, now, wait a minute. I'm just saying this, that we believe at Calvary Baptist Church that the Bible alone is the ground of authority. Now, let's talk about that a little bit tonight. How about this? Number one, I want to talk to you about the basis for biblical authority. Where do we find that? 
Where, where do we find it? It's important we not only believe something, it's important we know why we believe that. So, so where do we find that the word of God is the sole authority for our faith and practice at Calvary Baptist Church? Well, let me show you at least a few. I've got many, but let me show you a few. Take your Bibles and turn to 2 Peter chapter 1. 2 Peter chapter number 1 in your Bibles. And, uh, and some of these I'll probably just give you, and you can just jot them down and go look, look them up yourself. But 2 Peter chapter number 1, and look at verse number 15. And notice what the Spirit of God gave to the Apostle Peter here. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 15. Peter said, Moreover, I will endeavor that you may be able after my decease to have these things always in remembrance. For we have not, I love this. This is so good, church. Now look at this. For we have not followed cunningly devised fables. That's what I was just talking about. When we made known unto you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For he received from God the Father honor and glory when there came such a voice to him from the excellent glory. This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. And this voice which came from heaven we heard when we were with him in the holy mount. Look at verse 19. Peter said, we have also a more, what kind of word? A more sure word of prophecy. Look at the next line. Whereunto ye do well that ye take heed. So what's that saying? We're to take heed to that sure word. As unto a light that shineth in a dark place until the day dawn and the day star rise in your hearts, knowing this first, that no prophecy of the scripture is of any a private interpretation. For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. You can just jot this down. Deuteronomy 8 and verse number three, the Bible says it like this. Man doth not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of the Lord doth man live. Turn over to Joshua chapter one and look at verse number eight. Joshua chapter one and verse number eight. We believe the word of God is the sole authority for faith and practice. Joshua one and verse eight. Notice what our Bible says. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth. Joshua one eight. but thou shalt meditate therein day and night that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein for then thou shalt make thy way prosperous and then shalt thou have good success, Joshua 1.8. In other words, if we apply the word of God, you know what? God's gonna give us his blessing. Now turn over to your New Testament. 2 Timothy chapter number three. 2 Timothy chapter three. And look, if you will, at verse number 13. Boy, if this is not ever applicable to where we are today in 2023, 2 Timothy three, verse 13, the Bible says, but evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived and Paul says, but continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them, and that from a child that uh, thou hast known the holy scriptures, 
which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. Look at verse 16. He says, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Listen to me. This is all I'm saying tonight. Just believe that God's word is perfect and infallible and decide to make it your compass for life right now. Now, we have a lot of our young people are getting college age now. And some of our, some of our young people that have been in the youth group are now graduating and they're going to universities and going to secular college. And, and kids, I want to tell you something. I can go ahead and guarantee you that when you get to the secular university, your faith is about to be challenged. It is about to be challenged. And so you just you need to go ahead right now and just sell it. That's the word of God. And there is no college professor that's gonna talk me out of that. There's no preacher that's gonna talk me out of that. There's no friend that's gonna talk me out of that. That book right here is the word of God, the holy word of God. It is inerrant, it's infallible, it's inspired, it's God breathed, and it will serve as the compass for my life. Just go ahead right now, right now. Just go ahead and say, man, that's it. That's it. I was reading, and Brother Mike Hersey and I were talking about just this just the other day. I was reading this week young Billy Graham's testimony. Billy Graham was uh, just beginning to be used greatly of the Lord, and he was associating with an evangelist by the name of Charles Templeton. And uh, an interesting story, too, they said about Charles Templeton that he was supposed to be the poster child. He was going to be the next great evangelist, not Billy Graham, Charles Templeton. And they preached together. Billy Graham and Charles Templeton preached together. And then Charles Templeton decided to enroll into Princeton Theological Seminary. Well, that sounds good, doesn't it? Well, it wasn't good. And by the way, just because they call it Bible college don't mean they're teaching the Bible. And so Charles Templeton went to Princeton, and while he was there, some liberals got a hold of him, and they began to make him question the Word of God. And Charles Templeton came back to Billy Graham, and he began to convince, try to convince Billy Graham to doubt the Word of God. And he would say things like this, Billy, you can't take that book literally. You can't. You can't do that anymore. You can't trust the word of God. I mean, there's some good things in there. There's that rationalism. There's that, uh, you know, there's that neo-orthodoxy. There's some good things in there, but it's not all good. And there's some two things in there, but it's not all true. And Billy Graham began to struggle about this thing is the word of God, the word of God. I love the story. We've not been there yet, but I want to go. And this is his own words. Billy Graham said in August of that year, I had been invited to Forest Home Presbyterian Conference Center high in the mountains outside Los Angeles. I remember walking down a trail, tramping into the woods and almost wrestling with God. I dueled with my doubts and my soul seemed to be caught in the crossfire. Finally, in desperation, I surrendered my will to the living God revealed in Scripture. I knelt before the open Bible and said, Lord, many things in this book I do not understand. But thou hast said the just shall live by faith. All I've received from, from thee, I've taken by faith. Here and now, I love it. Here and now, by faith, I accept the Bible as thy word. 
I take it all. I take it without reservations. Where there are things I cannot understand, I will reserve judgment until I receive more light. If this pleases thee, give me authority as I proclaim thy word and through that authority convict me of sin and turn sinners to the Savior. By the way, check it out and you'll find out that Charles Templeton sort of just faded to the side somewhere. He was supposed to be the next great evangelist and he ended up somewhere off in the shadows and most people have never even heard about Charles Templeton. And yet Billy Graham knelt down by a stump and said, Lord, I don't understand it all, but I believe that book's the word of God and I'm gonna accept it right now by faith. By the way, just a few weeks later, they started the Los Angeles Crusade. One of the last times we were in California, Zach said, Dad, is there anything you wanna do while you're here? I said, there is. I wanna visit the spot. And so we Googled it and scooped it out and we drove down to the very spot. I stood on the spot where that tent was. And there's buildings there now. And, but I stood on that spot. There's a plaque there. And that tent crusade was supposed to go. It was supposed to go for three weeks. and ended up going eight weeks. And during those eight weeks, 350,000 people came from Los Angeles and sat under that tent and heard the gospel. Now, you say, why? I don't know all the reasons, but I believe I know some of the reasons. Thank God there was a man who said, I'm just gonna accept it by faith. That is the word of God. Somebody, you may hear tonight, you say, preacher, I don't understand everything about this book. Neither do I. Well, you say, how do you know it's the word of God? By faith, I believe it's the word of God. I believe it is, listen, I believe the book stops, stops right here. And so we see the basis for biblical authority, real quickly, real quickly, listen to this. How about the belief of biblical authority? We believe the Bible is the foundation for life. We believe this book right here is the compass. We believe it's the manual. Somebody said, when all else fails, read the instructions. It might help us if we go ahead and read the instructions before all else fails. We believe this book's the God, God book. Well, the God book for what? For everything. It's the guidebook for your marriage. Hey, couples, if you're, having, if you're having issues in your marriage, just get in your manual and follow everything it says. Follow everything it says. Uh, it's the guidebook for the home. You say, Pastor, nobody ever taught me how to raise kids. Get in this book. It'll teach you. It's the guidebook for the home. It is the guidebook for the church. Now, Again, a lot of new folks are, are coming into this church and I'm sure that there are a lot of people who say, preacher, why do y'all do what you do at Calvary or why do you not do what you don't do at Calvary? So let me give you a few, let me give you a few for instances. How about this? Some churches, and you know I'm telling you the truth right here, some churches require that their spiritual leaders remain unmarried. Is that the truth? There are religious groups and organizations and they require their spiritual leadership to remain unmarried. And somebody says, yeah, pastor, I heard about that. Where do they find that in the word of God? They don't. But I'll tell you what we do find. We find plenty of scripture to refute that. Proverbs 18, 22, whoso findeth a wife findeth a good thing and obtaineth favor of the Lord. I need all the favor that I can get. Yes, sir. How about 1 Corinthians 7, verse one? 
Now concerning the things whereof you wrote unto me, it is good for a man not to touch a woman, nevertheless to avoid fornication. Let every man, hmm, that sounds like it said every man. Does that mean that there are some that are secluded from marriage? The Bible says let every man have his own wife and let every woman have her own husband. 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 1 says it like this. Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron, forbidding to marry, hmm, forbidding to marry. In other words, there are gonna come groups that are forbidding to marry and those are the same ones that are speaking lies and hypocrisy. You say, preacher, are you trying to say in a roundabout way that these groups that are telling their spiritual leaders that they cannot be married, are you trying to say that they are speaking lies in hypocrisy? I'm not trying to say it. I just said it. Now, here again, I want you to understand the word of God is the sole authority. Now, everybody, everybody good? Let's go a little further. Some churches are ordaining women as pastors. And by the way, right now, I mean right now, on March the 8th, 2023, you talk about if there's a hot button issue in America right now, that's the one right there. And so somebody says, yeah, Pastor, I've been wondering about that. Why don't you let women preach at Calvary? Are you a, uh, you're a chauvinist. That's what you are. You're a chauvinist. No, listen to me. And you come to our retreats and you'll hear this. If anything, when God created the woman, she was an upgrade. That's true. I'm not trying to be funny. I'm telling you, that's the truth. You know, God created Adam out of the dust. And then I just can't help but believe God stepped back and said, I'm not going to do better than that. And he created the woman. And so somebody says, preacher, you believe that women are beneath men? I don't believe that at all. Man, if anything, my wife's probably smarter than I am. She's definitely, she's definitely a better organizer than I am. And so uh, are, there, uh, you know, are there women that are incredibly intelligent and intellectual and uh, women that even can understand the word of God? And the answer to that is absolutely there is. Will you say, why don't you let them preach then? Because this is the sole authority. Why can't a woman pastor? Because she cannot meet the requirements that are set forth in the word of God for a pastor. 1 Timothy chapter three, verse one. This is a true saying. If a man desire the office of a bishop, pastor, he desireth the good work, a bishop then must be blameless. The husband, the husband, the husband of one wife. Now a woman's gonna have a hard time meeting that requirement. Now, in this mixed-up, kooky world, I'm telling you, they don't know what they are. But we know what they are. Now, again, again, you know what? The Bible's very clear about that. That if you're going to be, if you're going to be a pastor of a church, then it's required that you be the husband of one wife, and a woman cannot be the husband of one wife. Now, 
I know. Listen, church, I know people's you're just slamming women. Nothing could be further from the truth. Our women are some of the sweetest, one most wonderful. I'm telling you, when our ladies' choir sang Sunday, you could feel the presence of the Lord in this place. And somebody says, okay, pastor, if you love women, why don't you let them preach? Because this book's the sole authority. You see, here's, here's, the, here's the great thing, church. It just takes... It takes the personality clash out. It takes, even takes the pastor out. Somebody says, why don't you do it, preacher? I can't. It's not my hands. <laughs> I didn't write this book. He's the one that wrote it. And so, you, you understand where I'm going there? First Timothy chapter 2, verse 8, I will therefore that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting, and like men are also that women adorn themselves in modest apparel with shamefacedness and sobriety, not with broided hair or gold or pearls or costly ray, but which becometh women professing godliness with good works. Let the women learn in silence with subjection. But I suffer not a woman to teach nor to usurp authority over the man, but to be in silence. For Adam was first formed, then Eve. And somebody says, Pastor, why did, why did Paul say that to Timothy? Well, listen to the very next chapter, 1 Timothy 3, verse 14. These things write unto thee, hoping to come unto thee shortly. But if I tarry long, that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God. And so, by the way, by the way, where Timothy was pastoring in Ephesus, the female was a deity. She was, she was made out to be like a goddess, a god. And so you understand that in Ephesus, that there's little doubt about this, that women were exalted to this lofty place and uh, that was the goddess that they worshiped and served in Ephesus. And, uh, and Paul said to young Timothy, Timothy, when you get there in Ephesus, uh, understand that you love your women and you pastor your women and you teach your women, but they can't pastor the church. Now, why is that? This is the sole authority. So, and you, you know what I'm telling you is the truth, and I'm, I'm hurrying. Some churches right now, 2023, are ordaining homosexuals as pastors and youth pastors. Somebody needs some sense. You say, why don't you do that at Calvary? Leviticus 18.22, thou shalt not lie with mankind as with womankind. It is abomination. Romans 1, verse 26, for this cause God gave them up into vile affections, for even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. And likewise also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman. By the way, this is that uh, uh, Barack Obama, this is that what he called an obscure passage. I'm not gonna base what I believe on an obscure passage in Romans chapter one. Leaving the natural use of the woman burned in their lust, one toward another, men with men, working that which is unseemly and receiving in themselves that recompense of their error which was meat. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. Friend, if it got any less obscure, we'd have a hard time reading it in a mixed crowd. And so why do we not do that? 
Because this book's the sole authority. Some churches allow their leaders to change the scriptures. There and, and again, we have folks that came from the Catholic Church. Catholics believe the Pope has something called papal, in, uh, papal infallibility. And he can do something called ex cathedra, where if he wants to, he can change, he can actually change the scripture. By the way, don't take my word on this, study it out for yourself. In 2019, it happened. And Pope Francis changed the words in Scripture to what we call the Lord's Prayer. That's a fact. You can Google that. You can, you can, you can find that. Now, why do we not do that? Listen to Revelation twenty two eighteen. For I testify unto everyone that heareth the words of the prophecy of this book, if any man shall add unto these things, God shall add unto him the plagues that are written in this book. And if any man shall take away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part out of the book of life and out of the holy city and from the things which are written in this book. Listen, if I understand the word of God right there, and I believe I do, the man who changes the word of God has never been genuinely born again. You say, preacher, do you know what you're saying? I know exactly. I know what the Bible is saying. The Bible says in Psalm 119, verse 89, forever, O Lord, forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. Now again, I'm not trying to be controversial or or make anybody angry or somebody's watching my live stream and man, they're just like chewing nails right now. and, and, And here's the thing, we don't have to be mad about any of that as long as you just stay with this book right here. Because it doesn't matter if it's, if it's me or somebody else. If the word of God says it, we have to go with it. And so we see the basis for biblical authority. We see the belief of biblical authority. And last of all, we're done tonight. It's, it's 8.39. We're going to go. Look at this, church. We see the benefit of biblical authority. Look at Psalm 1 and we're done tonight. Psalm chapter 1. And look at verse number 2. Psalm chapter 1, verse 2. Now, now wait a minute now. While you're looking for Psalm 1. Is this going to go over good with with some people? It's not. Are we going to run 10,000 if we keep preaching biblical authority at Calvary Baptist Church? We may not. But it doesn't matter whether we run 10,000 or 10. We have to stay with the word of God. And so if it's, you know what, if it's popular, 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 we got to stay with the word of God. But if it's just terribly unpopular, we got to stay with the word of God. Because this is the sole authority and, and if people come and they stay, praise the Lord. But if people come and they go, they'll just have to go. Because we don't have a choice. We have to stay with the word of God. Biblical authority. Biblical authority. We don't base what we do on mysticism and, and feelings. It's all about the word of God. Now look what he says in Psalm 1 and verse 2. Psalm 1 verse 2. The Bible says, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. Look at this. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Somebody says, preacher, what's the benefit of biblical authority? It works. (laughs) It works. We may not understand it all, but it works. It's tested and it's proven. I read the story about a fellow. He was a mechanic and he, he was working. He was working on a giant telescope. He went to one of these places, you know, where they have the big telescope and they look out into space and, and there was something broken on it and he was the mechanic and he went to work on this big telescope and anyway, 
the noon hour hit and he put his tools down and went over and had his little lunch bag and he got some of his lunch out and took a lunch break. And while he was eating his lunch, he took the word of God out and he began to, he began to read his Bible. And that chief astronomer came over and saw him reading his Bible and he said, what are you doing? And he said, I'm reading my Bible. He said, man, why, why would you do that? You know, this guy's a scientist. Why would you do that? He said, man, that book's so outdated. And he said, on top of that, you don't even know who wrote it. He said, why do you believe it? And that mechanic said to that scientist, he said, he said, you know, when you're looking through that telescope and you're doing all your studies, he said, don't you base some of that on the multiplication table? And, and he said, well, of course I do. He said, do you know who wrote it? And he said, well, no, not necessarily. He said, and how do you know it works then? How do you believe it? And that scientist said, I, I believe it because he said it works. And that mechanic said, you know why I believe this book? Because it works. It works. You may not understand everything about it, but it, I'm telling you, man, it works. And it'll work for your marriage. And it'll work for your home. And it'll work for your family. And it'll work for you. Man, there's something about this book right here. It has the sole authority, the Word of God. Aren't you glad we have a copy of it today? Man, you think about all those people across the world that don't have a copy of the Word of God. I've got on my desk right now, I've got a stack. Sometimes I can't figure out which, which one to use. I just, I love them all. I just, sometimes I'll use this Bible one day and I'll use another Bible the next day. And I just love them all. I hate to put them away sometimes. And yet there are some people that don't have a copy, one copy of the Word of God, and yet God's blessed us like he has in America. Boy, thank God we have the Bible, and thank God we have a place we can come and be taught the Bible. Amen. That's good. Let's bow our heads tonight. Father, we love you, and thank you for the Bible. Lord, thank you for giving us the wonderful Word of God. Lord, we're not here to be controversial. We're not here to make anybody mad. That's not our goal at all. But we are here to preach and practice the Word of God. And Lord, sometimes that makes us popular and sometimes it makes us unpopular. Lord, whatever the case, but Lord, help us to stay with this book. Help us never to leave the Word of God. Father, may it be, may it be the sole authority at the Calvary Baptist Church in Union Grove, North Carolina. Lord, there may come a day when Pastor Pope's not, not here anymore. But I pray this book will still reign supreme. God, we, we pray tonight that you just give us, Lord, couples and families and individuals who like that story I told about Billy Graham earlier in the, the message tonight who would just say, Lord, I'm gonna accept this book by faith. I don't understand everything about it, but I'm gonna trust you with it and I'm gonna believe it and I'm going to live according to it. And if it makes me popular, that's good. But if it makes me unpopular, that's okay. Because this book's what we're going to live by the rest of our days. Heavenly Father, tonight, I pray you'd give us some people who would determine that in their heart, that this book is going to be the sole authority in their life. And our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. And...
Just a question tonight. How many are here this evening? And you'd say, preacher, if I died tonight, I'm not 100% sure that I would go to heaven. Is there anybody like that here tonight? And you'd say, pastor, it's me. If I died, I'm not sure I'd go to heaven. Would you pray for me tonight? Anybody like that? I'm not going to embarrass you. I just want to pray for you. And you'd say, preacher, pray for me. Anybody at all? Can I pray for you tonight? Pastor, I'm not saved. Please pray for me. Anybody at all? I appreciate that hand. Thank you so much. Is there somebody else? Somebody else? Can I pray for you tonight? On this Wednesday night? Preacher, if I died, I'm not sure of heaven. Pastor, I want to go. Don't get me wrong. I want to go there. I'm just not sure I would. And I want you to pray for me. Is there anybody else like that? Can I pray for you tonight? Hey, can I ask you this? How many are here tonight? And you'd say, Pastor, just pray for us. That although I don't understand everything about it, that I'll make the Word of God the sole authority in my life or our life, our home or our marriage. But the Lord spoke to my heart about something tonight. And I want you to pray for me with that. And you just slip your hand up tonight and say, Preacher, God knows what it's about. Pray pray for us tonight. Pray for us tonight. Amen. 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 Hey, would you do me a favor tonight? Would you stand all over the house? Our heads are bowed. Our eyes are closed. And listen, if you're here this evening and you say, Pastor, I want to go to heaven. I really do, but I'm just not sure I would. And I want to be sure. Preacher, I want to be sure. If that's you tonight, hey, listen, I'm going to do this. I'm going to make my way to the main floor. And, and, and Brother Michael's just going to play for a moment. And if you're here tonight and the Spirit of God is dealing with your heart and you say, Brother Pope, I need to be saved. I mean, that's just a fact. I need to be saved. Listen, I'm going to be here and I want you just to step out wherever you are. I want you to step out and I want you to come and we'd like to take the Bible and show you how you can know that you know that you know that you're going to heaven. I'm not going to make you give a speech, nothing like that. I just want to take the Word of God and show you how you can know that you're going to heaven when you die. If you're here tonight, you say, Pastor, I am saved, but I need to pray about something. There's something in my life and we need to pray about it. Listen, the altar's open. You come tonight while we wait, while we wait, you come. Father, I pray that you'll have your way in this invitation. Lord, Holy Spirit, I pray that you'd speak to hearts right now. God, we're so thankful for what you did on Sunday. But God, tonight, I pray that you'd do a life-changing work. God, I pray you'd give courage. Lord, I pray that you'd give faith. And Lord, I pray that, Lord, you would uh, just do the miraculous tonight. Save the lost, encourage the saved, and have your way tonight, Father, please. And Lord, we thank you in Jesus' name. Our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed. Would you come while we wait? If you're here tonight and you say, Pastor, I need to be saved. I need to be saved. Would you come right now? Would you come? Just step out. Folks are coming. How about you? Would you come? Can I pray with you tonight? Would you come? 